just real quick, one more time, I want to thank Lenon Clark uh, for getting up here earlier and just kind of kind of giving us some information and reminding us about the importance of Juneteenth. And I think that we as a church would be remiss if we didn't recognize these types of things as we continue to love one another as the Bible commands us to do. So thank you again, Lenon, for getting up and sharing with us. Well, now, now we're running out of time. So the good news for you is that means today's lesson will be short because we're kind of running out of time. And I know Peter wanted to talk for 40 minutes, but, you know, he, he saved me a few minutes at least. So that was great. Today we're going to be talking about uh, how awesome our God is. As I thought a little bit about uh, Father's Day and what message I might like to bring for you guys today, I, I couldn't help but think about just how awesome our Heavenly Father is. And I understand that Father's Day can be a challenging time, right? Uh, some of us have lost our fathers or grandfathers, and, and maybe some of us didn't have that strong father figure in our lives. But the good news is, regardless of that biological situation, we have an awesome Heavenly Father who loves us, and we are never alone because of that. God is awesome. One of the themes of VBS this year was each day we had a different Bible point, and it was things like God is with you everywhere, and God is in charge, and, and, and long story short, every time we would say that throughout the week, the kids would raise their hand and say, awesome God, and it was amazing to see them get excited about, about just recognizing the awesomeness of God, and I, and I get it, awesome is kind of an 80s word, but hey, I'm a child of the 80s, so I'm just going to own that. But our God truly is awesome, and today we're going to take a look at one of the many stories where we see just how awesome our God truly is. So today what we're going to look at is we are going to possibly, maybe, look at the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> there we are. All right, so again, just kind of like what we talked about last week is sometimes when we hear these stories and we see these miracles of Jesus— a lot of us kind of start to tune out on these things, right? Because these are stories that we know. And I was having a conversation with, with Cam McPeak last week after services, and she says, she says, thank you, because we know these stories, and we tend to forget the lessons that we can learn from these stories. So if you're one of those folks who grew up in the church and you say, Aaron, I already know all about the feeding of the 5,000, please don't tune me out, because I'm hoping that I'm going to bring some things to the table today that maybe either you don't know or that maybe you've just kind of glossed over in the past, because I want to look at not only the story of the feeding of the 5,000, but what are those important lessons that we learn from this story? So go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to start off in John chapter 6. Again, John chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It says, that is the Sea of Tiberias. It says, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Now, there's a couple of things that I don't want you to miss here. And just right here in these first couple of verses, one, we see that one of the lessons that we're going to learn in just a second is, is about the compassion of Jesus and the fact that Jesus was healing the sick. But the other thing I want to, I want to, to show you is verse 2 starts right off and says, a great crowd of people followed him. A great crowd of people followed Jesus. Now, Jesus had been healing the sick all day. You know, he had been just doing amazing things and teaching. And these people just couldn't get enough of Jesus. To the point that Jesus tried to go off on his own. And he tried to go off into the, well, we call them mountains. But if, if you're familiar with the landscape, they were probably more like hills. Very similar to the hills we would see here in Mission Viejo. And they, they just couldn't get enough of Jesus. So here Jesus had done these amazing things and they had seen Jesus heal the sick and they didn't just say, well, that was kind of cool and go back home. 
They couldn't get enough of this man named Jesus and the things that he was doing to the point that they followed him, right? They followed him out of town and into the hillsides. Now, that's a very small part of this verse, but it's a very easy thing for us to overlook, to say, oh, well, what's the big deal? They followed him. But they were willing to go to great lengths to follow Jesus, Do we go to those same great links to follow Jesus, or do we only follow Jesus when it's convenient for us, when it's easy for us? Now, Jesus had presumably been teaching and healing all day long, and yet they still followed him, hoping to hear more of his gospel, hoping to hear more of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, we could test that theory, and we we could stay here for about another three hours and just see if we're willing to do the same thing, but I won't do that to you because there'd be a mass exodus, just like there was in the Bible, right? But my point is this. Are we so hungry for Jesus that just like these folks who had done this all day, they were still into the evening willing to continue to follow Jesus because they were so hungry for the word? And our first lesson that that I want you to learn from this is the compassion of Jesus. It says, what did it say Jesus had been doing? He had been healing the sick. He had been healing the sick, and throughout this story of the feeding of the 5,000, we're going to continue to see the compassion of Jesus. Because Jesus could have very easily just said, no, I'm good. I've had a long day. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Go away, people. I need to rest. But he didn't do that. Let's go ahead and continue on with our text. As we skip ahead to verse 3, it says, Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. It says the Jewish Passover festival was near, which again means there were probably more people who were around at this time. And as we go ahead to verse 5, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now this is one of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus didn't just give him the answer to the problem. Jesus didn't just give him the answer to the question. He actually threw it back to Philip and said, what do you think we ought to do here? Now, you and I both know that Jesus knew what he was going to do here, and he already knew what the plan was, but he wanted to kind of test his disciples. He wanted to kind of test Philip to say, Philip, what do you think we should do here? It says he asked this only to test him. It says, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, what do you think Jesus was thinking at this point? Philip already knew what Jesus was capable of. We just read a few verses earlier, right, that he had been healing people. Philip had presumably seen this. He'd been walking with Jesus. He knew about the amazing things that Jesus could do. And he still, he still goes immediately to, well, well, Jesus, how in the world are we going to buy enough bread to feed all these people? What do you think Jesus was thinking at that point? Do you think he was shaking his head going, man, these guys just don't get it. They just don't get it. He should know by now that I can do this. But Philip immediately went to, well, I'm just not, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know what we're going to do here. It says another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. It says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. It says, but how far will they go among so many? Again, Jesus' disciples just weren't getting it here. They weren't getting the fact that our God is awesome and he can do amazing things and that Jesus had this under control. But they're still kind of scratching their heads going, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do here. I'm, I'm not sure what the plan here is. 
But there's some, there's some keys that I don't want you to miss here. Now, Jesus could have very easily just solved this problem. He could have just snapped his fingers, waved his hand, or even just thought it into being and provided enough food for everyone. But he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? Because he wanted to use his disciples to bless others. He wanted to use his disciples to bless others. He could have done it himself. He very easily could have done it himself. I have no doubt in my mind. But he didn't. He chose to use others. And I love the fact that he, he kind of gives it to the disciples. Right? He kind of lets them kind of, kind of lead the show here. And then he uses this small boy. Now, there's a couple things I want you to get here about the boy. It says, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? So he's going to use this boy in a powerful way. And I love the fact that this boy didn't have much, but he was willing to give all that he had to Jesus. He was willing to give all that he had for the greater good. Now, last week we talked about the fact that, right, sometimes we have to do some kind of crazy things, some kind of weird things in order for Jesus to do a miracle. I'm sure this boy was a little hesitant to just be like, oh, here you go. Here's everything I have. I don't need to eat. I'm good. But he didn't. He gave everything that he had. See, Jesus uses his followers to bless others. He uses you and me, just like he used his disciples and just like he used this boy, to bless others. Now, granted, we don't get to do miracles. We don't get to do some of the cool stuff that the apostles did. But we can still bless others. See, Jesus still puts people in our paths that need us. And when I say that we can bless others, I don't, I don't just mean financially. I don't just mean with things. But he puts people in our path who need us. And sometimes it can be as simple as a kind word. Sometimes it can be as simple as a kind word. It can be offering a prayer to someone. It can be something so simple. But Jesus uses his followers, that's you and me, to bless others just like he did with the disciples, and just like he did with the young boy. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, here's something I don't want you to miss about this story. It says there were 5,000 men there. What that really means is the total number, and this is what scholars speculate, is somewhere around fifteen to 20,000 people. That's bigger than my hometown that I grew up in had come to follow Jesus. Now, would it have been a miracle for Jesus to feed 5,000? Of course it would be. It would be a miracle for him to have fed five with nothing. But the point I want you to, to, to understand is this was fifteen to 20,000 people that had all come to be in the presence of Jesus. Fifteen to 20,000 people people who had traveled outside of the city and into the hillsides yearning for the word, yearning for what Jesus had to share. He didn't send them away. You can tell by the way the disciples were talking in the beginning of this passage, they were kind of like, Jesus, we don't have the food for this. Let's just send them home. And Jesus says, no, we're not going to send them away because Jesus knew he needed to provide for them and he was going to do that through the disciples 
Verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now, I love this. Jesus stops and he gives thanks. Jesus didn't just say, here I am. Wait a minute. Let me get a, let me get a selfie for Instagram first. Okay, hang on. Everybody look. No, he gave thanks to the Father. And then he blessed the people with the food. And that's our third lesson, is the awesome power of Jesus. The awesome power that Jesus has in our lives. See, Jesus did amazing things. And we talked last week a little bit about why Jesus did the miracles that he did. It was to prove the sovereignty of Jesus. And it was also to convince others to follow him. This is fifteen to 20,000 people who are going to witness a miracle. This is fifteen to 20,000 people that are going to see the awesomeness of God. And I often hear people say things like, well, he doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. I've never seen Jesus do a miracle. But you need look no farther than Scripture to find the amazing things that Jesus did. But we have to look for it. We have to search for it. Just like how these people went out into the wilderness searching for Jesus, we have to search for it. Because our God is awesome. If we skip ahead to verse 13, we read, When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Not only did Jesus create enough to feed the people so that fifteen to 20,000 people would be filled up, but there was extra. And how many extra? Twelve baskets extra. And twelve apostles. So you've got to pay attention to these numbers in the Bible, right? Because sometimes we kind of we gloss over the numbers. But that means that Jesus took care of everyone else, and he also took care of his followers. Just like how when we trust in him, when we give our lives to Christ, he will take care of us. There were times back when Lizzie and I first got married, and I was working in commission-only sales. And for those of you who have worked in commission-only sales, it's very much so a roller coaster. One month you might make a whole lot of money, and the next month you might make nothing. And I can remember there were times where we, where we scratched our heads and went, what are we going to eat for the next four days before payday? And maybe some of you have been there, and, and maybe some of you have not. And great for those of you who have not. But we were literally at a point where we were eating peanut butter sandwiches for days just waiting for payday to come. But you know what? Jesus always provided. Always because you know what? We never went hungry. We never missed a meal. And I couldn't believe how many times when we just couldn't figure out how we were going to put gas in the gas tank to get to Friday and we would get a check in the mail or someone would bless us. And that's because we never lost our faith in Jesus Christ. And he provided for us. And he sustained us through those times. Because we continued to believe in him, and we continued to pray, and we continued to look for him, and we continued to read our Bibles, and we continued to give our offerings at church, even when we weren't sure how we would make it to Friday, and God provided. See, these people believed in Jesus enough to follow him, and God provided for their needs, and he fed 
15 to 20 or however many thousands of people were on that hillside listening to Jesus. Verse 13 says, They gathered them, and they filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. It says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Now remember, why did John write his gospel? John wrote his gospel to prove that Jesus was who he said he was. And in this very story, and I chose John for a reason, because John gives a more detailed account than some of the other gospels. He proved, he recorded this amazing thing that Jesus had done. And at the end, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. See, Jesus did this miracle in front of 15,000 people so that they would believe in him. And Jesus still does miracles in our lives today. We see it all the time. But we just have to be willing to look for it. We have to be willing to see it, and we have to never give up. See, lesson number four is that nothing we face is too large for God. Nothing we face is too large for God. You guys have heard me say this before. You'll hear me say this again. I don't know what's going on with the clicker. I'm sorry. Don't tell God that you have a big problem. Tell your problems you have a big God. I hear people say this to me. People reach out to me all the time when, when they're struggling with things and they're, they're having problems. And, and that's one of the things I love about what I do is, is I get to just talk to people and and I get to, get to be there for the good times, and I get to be there for the weddings and the things like that. And, but I also get to be there and walk side by side with them during the hard times. And you don't know how many times I hear people say things like, well, yes, I have faith, but this problem is too big. I can't give this problem to God. He couldn't be farther from the truth. Because if he can feed the 5,000, if he can turn water into wine, if he can raise Lazarus from the dead, he can fix your problems. I don't know what you came in here with today. Maybe you came in here today heartbroken over a relationship. Maybe you came in here today battling addictions. Maybe you came in here and you just are looking for something because you've lost your faith. God can fix it. He can fix it. He will fix it. And he wants to fix it. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I need you now. You are bigger than this problem that I'm facing. And I know that you can heal me. We just have to look to God because he is so much bigger than the problems that you and I brought in the door this morning. He is so much bigger than those addictions that you're facing. He is so much bigger than those problems that you're facing in your life. And if he can do these amazing things that we read about over and over again throughout scripture, then he can heal you too. And he can fix those problems, but you just got to give it to him. You just got to be vulnerable and you just got to say, God, I need you now. And he'll come. And he'll come. But he is way bigger than the problems that you and I face. It says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again into the mountain by himself. See, God knows what we need. And that last verse is just kind of how we kind of put a bow on this feeding of the 5,000. See, Jesus did what he needed to do. And he took care of their physical needs because we can't help people's spiritual needs if we don't take care of their physical needs. That's why we have our comfort cafe. 
And for those of you who may not know, it's this amazing program that we have where we have a food pantry and we offer meals and we offer groceries. How can we hope to guide people to Jesus spiritually if all they can think about is where their next meal is coming from? If we don't take care of their physical needs, how can we ever hope to address their spiritual needs? Jesus uses his followers to bless others. We talked about that a few minutes ago. He uses us to bless others, to help others. See, Jesus took care of their physical needs because he knew he had to take care of their physical needs if he wanted to have a shot at curing their spiritual needs. He took care of their physical needs to cure their spiritual needs. So here are the things I want you to remember. Here are the things that I want you to take away from today, and that's the compassion of Jesus. See, sometimes we forget that Jesus loves us. We forget that God loves us. You know, today we focus on fathers. And for those of you who are fathers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We love our children, and we would do anything for them. We love our children, and we do anything for them. And we treasure that relationship that we have with our children. And that is exactly how God feels about every one of us. Because, see, every one of us is a child of God. And he has and he wants that same relationship with us. He loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for you. That's a whole lot of love. And he has compassion. And he knows that we make mistakes. And he knows that we fall short. But he loves us anyway. Jesus can and will use you to bless others. We, we just got to be open. We got to be looking for those situations where we can help someone, where we can give someone a helping hand. And again, it doesn't always have to be monetary. It doesn't always have to be a grand gesture. Sometimes it's as simple as a kind word, a hug, a handshake, giving of your time. You can make a huge impact on someone. Number three is the awesome power. I think sometimes we forget about the awesome power of God. This is the same God that parted the Red Sea. And if he can part the Red Sea, he can help us with the things that you and I are struggling with today. Because he is so much bigger than our problems. And I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that the next time you're struggling with something and you start to feel overwhelmed and you start to feel like I just can't get my head above water. You need look no further than to look for God. Because God can and will fix it. We just have to have faith in his awesome power. God is awesome. And maybe today, maybe you you walked in here today and, and you're just struggling and you're feeling defeated and you just don't feel like you can beat the struggles and the stresses and the things that you're dealing with. In just a moment, I'm going to invite our elders to come down front, and I'll be down front as well. And if we can talk with you, if we can pray with you, we want to encourage you to do that. And if you don't want to come down front in front of the congregation, that's okay. But please seek out one of us that can help you, that can talk to you, that can listen, and that can pray for you. Because there's no reason for you to leave here today not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've never had a chance to experience the awesomeness of God. Maybe you've never had a chance to be baptized, to feel that amazing power, to form that amazing relationship with Jesus Christ, and to have that hope 
that hope that we as Christians have of an eternity in the most amazing place you can imagine. The baptistry is still back here, I promise. The water is warm. If that's something that you desire today, we would be more than happy to baptize you for the remission of your sins. If we can help you in any way, we would invite you to please come forward as we stand together and as we sing. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord our God. You reign